Welcome back to the Locker Room Podcast. This is episode number five. I'm your host, Bradley Pokowitz, and today I am joined by Len Elmore. Len, how are you today? Doing well, Bradley. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Very excited for this. So am I, actually. (laughs) Should be fun. Exactly, yeah. So for those of you who don't know, Len Elmore had an amazing career at the University of Maryland basketball team from 1971 to 1974. After graduating, he was drafted as the 13th overall pick and had an amazing playing career that lasted 10 years between the ABA and the NBA. After retiring, Len's journey only expanded as he went to Harvard Law School and held numerous job positions. Len, is there one experience or job that stands out to you most or one that may have been a turning point in your career? Well, I mean, I think my first job out of law school was probably my most important job. Um, You know, I I turned down a number of corporate law office opportunities to try to give something back. I went back to my home borough, Brooklyn, New York, to be an assistant district attorney. You know, my hope was to have some positive impact on the criminal justice system, uh, particularly as it pertains to, you know, the community I came from and and others. and in doing so, yeah, I was able to hopefully, you know, instill some fairness, at least in the cases that, that I was uh, given. And, um, you know, ultimately, I, I think that, uh, you know, my experience as a trial attorney was fulfilling. Unfortunately, uh, they didn't pay all that much. You know, I was about to raise a family in New York City. And, you know, it's very difficult to do on uh, the amount of money I was getting paid. But if you're talking about an experience, uh, you know, what hits me most is my last assignment, which was um, prosecuting police misconduct. And many of the issues that we have today, today certainly yep. were uh, going on in the 90s, or early 90s. And so, you know, on one hand, you're disappointed that we haven't progressed beyond that. But on the other hand, it helps me, you know, know and understand these issues so well. Exactly. So also going back to kind of your childhood uh, you grew up and you played at Power Memorial Academy in New York City a few years after the great Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Was Kareem kind of your role model growing up, or was there another player that you try to model your game after? Well, from a, from a presence standpoint, you know, I always admired Kareem because, you know, he stood for more than just basketball. You know, his name, obviously, before he changed it, was Luau Cinder. And, um, you know, I came five years after him. So, you know, you recognize uh, what he did at UCLA and what he went on to, to present going forward in the NBA more than just an athlete. And so I, I tried to embrace that. If you're talking about style of play, you know, I could never imitate him. Like, but um, one guy that I really enjoyed watching because of his, because of his toughness and rebounding skill was Wes Unseld, like Wes Unseld. Uh, that's why I wore the number 41 in high school and went on to wear it in college and for most of my career, yep. the NBA. You know, the over and uh, outlet pass and, you know, some of the rebounding tech. Amazing to watch a, a man of his skill and undersized at 6'7", to be able to mm-hmm. do that against bigger guys. Yeah, definitely a great. So now going to your playing career, I think this date definitely brings back a great day in your career, but... March 9th, 1974, arguably the greatest college basketball game in history. Uh, Maryland lost NC State 103 to 100. And of the 14 players on the court, eight went on to be NBA draft picks. What did this game mean to you at the time? 
Well, it, it kind of meant everything. Um, you know, this is our opportunity to go to the NCAA tournament. Back in those days, the ACC was a one-bid uh, conference, and the only one going was the winner of that uh, tournament championship. Uh, we took the number one team in the nation to overtime. Remember, we were ranked number four. And the yeah. sad element of it is that, you know, the number four team in the nation wasn't going to play in the NCAA tournament simply because they lost the number one in overtime. Uh, that was absurd. Unfortunately for us, mm -hmm. even though they changed the rule the year after, the year after, you know, it didn't do us. Yeah, it didn't do us any good. Um, yeah. You know, we actually turned down an NIT bid because we had already won the NIT two years ago. So, you know, disappointing, bittersweet, but um, still proud to have played in that game and, um, you know, gave it what we had. Exactly. And I think everyone, even to this day, still remembers that game. And kind of going towards the end of it. Um, then after that game, you kind of transitioned your career. Uh, what would you say was the hardest part of the transition from college basketball to the ABA and NBA? Um, you know, for me, it was understanding the expectations, you know, began with conditioning my rookie year. Uh, you know, I, I overcame that hurdle. And, you know, towards particularly the second half of my rookie season, I helped lead our team to the finals in the ABA. We upset two tremendous teams in the San Antonio Spurs with George Gervin. Um, we beat the, uh, the Denver Rockets that had Bobby Jones and Dan Issel. I mean, uh, I'm sorry, Bobby Jones at the time. Dan Issel played for them later on. Uh, and Dan Issel and Otis Gilmore, among others, played for the Kentucky Colonels. You know, the only guy of, of Hall of Fame note on our team was George McGinnis. Um, but also we had Billy Knight, who was a spectacular player and myself. Um, my second year, you know, I had no issues uh, with conditioning or ready to play. I averaged almost 15 points and almost 11 rebounds uh, that second year and thought I was way. But unfortunately, my third year, you know, I popped a knee and uh, tried to play, only played six games and couldn't do it. And after that, you know, my career was kind of defined by that injury. I never really got another chance until I got to the New Jersey Nets. Mm -hmm. And then you also went on to play, obviously, for a bunch of other teams, including the Bucks. And you played, like you said before, a bunch of some of the greatest basketball players uh, in history. Was there one matchup that stood out that you just loved playing against or one player that you had, like, a great experience playing with? Um, yeah, I mean, there's so many of them. It's really hard to say. I mean, I always loved playing against Kareem, you know, as dominant as he was. You know, I could challenge myself. You know, he wasn't very good at boxing out. And, you know, there are games I can get six, seven offensive rebounds, help our team. Um, yeah, and that's you know, play, Yeah, playing against Irvin Johnson, uh, guys like that, James Worthy on that same team. But also, I talked about it, the other Skillmores of the world, um, Bob Lanier's. You know, I was an undersized center, so I always challenged myself against the bigger, stronger guys in the middle. Um, you know, guys that I played with, whether it was uh, Bernard King with the Knicks or Marcus Johnson uh, with the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, Sidney Moncrief, guys like that. Um, but I think the best uh, experience of playing with guys, as I said, I became a starter again when I was traded from Milwaukee to New Jersey right at the beginning of the season. And lo and behold, there were two other Maryland guys starting in the front line, uh, one by the name of Buck Williams, the other Albert King. And so now in the NBA, we played about 79, 80 games together as a starting front line. And it was great to hear the announcement 
every game we play to say from Maryland, you know, number 52, Buck Williams, from Maryland, yep. number 41, Len Elmore, from Maryland, Albert King. So every night that we played, we could hear that. So I, we were proud of, of our school, and I hope our school was proud of us. Exactly. And then upon retiring, you passed your LSAT and were accepted to Harvard Law School. Walk me through your decision to kind of put your career aside and then pursue that new avenue. Well, I mean, I was towards the end of my career, obviously with bad knees and getting older. Uh, you know, I recognized the end was near and, you know, I knew that there were other horizons I had to pursue and, you know, walk towards. And so I'd always wanted to be a lawyer ever since I was a kid. I mean, even before wanting to be a professional athlete, you know, I was growing up in the civil rights movement and, and uh, anti-war demonstrations and recognized that the law could you know, be an instrument of change. And I wanted to get that parade, not standing on the sidelines. So, you know, ultimately I did uh, go and study for the LSATs and did reasonably well enough that uh, with all my other background traits that Harvard picked me. And, you know, it was, it was um, an adjustment, no question about it, uh, with classmates who were still steeped in the philosophical habits, as we call them. Uh, mm -hmm. But, you know, I ultimately worked hard enough um, did a lot of good work outside of class, uh, representing tenants against landlords, working for the Massachusetts Commission Against Discrimination, and ultimately the Boston Public Defender. So not only did I get great experience in the classroom, but certainly had a tremendous opportunity outside of class. Yeah. And throughout your career, you've always talked about giving back, teaching others, and making influence. And now you're a sports management professor at Columbia University. So what advice do you mainly give to your students moving forward that might not relate directly to sports management? Well, I mean, I, I tell them that the, the path that they walk has to be uh, principled and values-based. Um, you know, your success is dependent upon your authenticity, being yourself, and understanding, you know, the needs of not only the industry, but the needs of society, because, you know, they, they certainly overlap. Um, you know, I've had an opportunity to work in so many different areas. I had my own sports management company representing athletes. I was an assistant district attorney. You know, I, I ran an education technology company and even a youth sports program that was uh, owned by the NBA and the NCAA. So I've got a lot of institutional knowledge that, you know, I wanted to pass on to, to my students. But first and foremost, it comes down to being true to yourself, being authentic to your own values and principles. Exactly. And even in that answer, kind of moving on to my next question, I want to talk about how sports has changed a tremendous amount. And you've been at different jobs as a sports agent, a sports broadcaster, analyst for college basketball. What would you say was the biggest change going through all these jobs? And how are you able to adjust? Um, you know, the adjustment has everything to do with throwing yourself into whatever it is that you're doing uh, fully and faithfully, and that's really what it comes down to. And, um, you know, the ability that I had uh, and demonstrated had a lot to do with just recognizing growth. Um, you know, my hope was to get better each time that I did what I did. And, you know, having been a broadcaster for over 30 years, um, you know, having had some of these other jobs, uh, you know, I'm proud of the fact that, that, you know, I do believe that I've learned something and I've continued to grow throughout the experiences. Sounds good. 
Uh, we're almost running out of time, and now we have a fun little segment that we love to do with our Maryland guests called the Maryland Minute. It's a few rapid-fire questions about your experiences and memories at UMD. So the first one we have All is right, shoot. who who was the favorite player that you played with while at UMD? Um, my favorite player at um, – repeat the question again. I'm sorry, Bradley. So, connection kind of messed up. Who was your favorite player that you played with during your uh, few years at Maryland? Did you catch me? I did not hear you there. Uh, I said you got to repeat the question, our connection. All right. Um, so who was your favorite player that you played with while at Maryland? Um, you know, that's that's hard to say. I mean, I love my teammates. Um, you know, I think Tom McMillan and I made a, a terrific pair because we were complimentary in our game. I, I think the guy who was probably the most fun might have been John Lucas. Lucas, uh, yeah. Who was – who was a rascal off the court as well as on. <laughs> yeah. Next one. What was your favorite memory off the court while at Maryland? Um, probably meeting my wife uh, for the first time. Um, you know, she bamboozled me into taking her to a Stephen Stills concert. And from there, kind of the rest was history. We met in 1973 in front of McKeldin. Ah, yeah. And then going off of that, was there maybe – uh, favorite College Park restaurant that you either went with your wife or just any in general? <laughs> Remember, in those days, we didn't get cost of attendance money. You know, we got $15 a month laundry money. And that was yeah. good for maybe uh, one date. Um, and unfortunately, all I could afford was taking my wife to Rob's, Bob's Big Boy. Um, she kind of looked at me askance. I'm, our first date, and we're going to Big Boy? I said, that's all I could afford. But if you're talking about favorite restaurant, there's no doubt uh, the old Lido's on a, a University Boulevard. That was a, that was a place whether we ate in or or carried out. But that was a place to go at the time. Yeah, definitely still a favorite for our Terps here. And then our last question for the Maryland Minute is: Who is your favorite all-time Maryland athlete? Wow. Um, you know, that's hard to say. I admired so many of the guys that uh, that I have been around and, and watched and played played with, even played with off the floor. Um, you know, that, that's really a hard question. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, I could, you know, um, could have been football, could have been you know some of the guys who played uh, who played with me. I, I just I just don't know. I mean, I, I couldn't tell you. If I'm going to say a guy that I, I had the most fun watching, uh, it probably was uh, probably was Luke. Although we had a good time watching lacrosse too. And one of our freshman teammates, uh, the late Rich Bouts, six uh, four lacrosse player, uh, we had a lot of fun watching him because he was crazy. So sounds good. So that's all the time we have for today. Len, I appreciate you taking the time to speak with me. I had a great time. Loved hearing all the stories of your experiences. Thank you to, again to all the listeners. Make sure to follow at SBS underscore UMD on Instagram for future updates. Len, thank you again. Yeah, sure, Bradley. My pleasure.